Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. I am joined again this week by Dan and Adrian, and we are talking about managing up. What does it look like to lead somebody that's higher than you, quote unquote higher, you can't see my air quotes, higher than you in the hierarchy of an organization, whether that's by title or team or senior leadership? How do you come to them with an idea or an issue or a problem and become the leader in that situation. That's everything that we're talking about. I loved this conversation. I cannot wait for you to hear it. As a reminder, if any of this stuff that we talk about in this podcast is interesting to you or might benefit your organization, we encourage you to follow the link in the description, reach out to us, and we would love to talk to you. Now let's get into it. Uh, It's great to be with you, uh, both of you. I'm excited for today's conversation. We're going to talk about managing up. And, uh, you know, that's some terminology that Dan and Adrian just helped me get a hold of. An idea that um, I've known about, I've experienced both on on both ends. Um, But we want to talk about some some common complaints around what it looks like, what it looks like when somebody's not managing up. Um, and how it actually can look like. So, you know, before we pushed record, we were just spitballing some of the complaints that we hear from our clients uh, and and people in general that are on a team about um, being held back, I would say, by their manager, quote unquote, held back. You guys can't see my air quotes that I'm doing, but quote unquote, being held back by their managers. So I think it would be a good place just to ident- uh, to start to just identify some of the common complaints that we hear around this so that as leaders are listening to this, as team members are listening to this, they might be able to identify themselves in some of these complaints. One of the ones that I brought up as we were talking was this idea that um, I'm unable to do my job uh, because my manager is not doing his job. Yep. And that's, my, that's my story. I work yeah. with people and I, I'm just sick and tired of it. Yeah, you know he's. I can't talk to him because he's. He'll retaliate. I have to sneak around. You know. What are some of the other ways that this shows up for people? I was going to make a joke. Have you been talking to my ex-wife? Yeah, <laughs> I've heard that story before. Um, the um, yeah, I mean that's one of them. One of them is. Well, and even this, right? Like this is this is a feeling, right? It's a sensation. It's an experience somebody's having about, and it's what they're assuming and making up about what's happening, uh, or what's generating this feeling for themselves, right? So, what makes me feel like I can't? And part of that can show up as, you know, they and like they above me, they're not seeing it the way it really is. That's a complaint. They're disconnected from the ground. Like I see it, I'm on the battlefield. I'm in the foxhole, they're back. They don't know what's going on down here. They don't care about what it's really like on the ground. They're disconnected. Um, that Those are some common complaints, like the complaint about them being disconnected. Um, the, the, the fact that they don't give a shit or they don't care is a, dis, is a distinction in that conversation. Well, they're reactive and they're going they're to be reactive. reactive. I'm gonna, I don't wanna pay the price, it's not worth the battle. I'd rather I pick my battles. This hill's not big enough. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, and, and you know, the point is if the hill's not big enough, that don't do it, but just know that every time you don't do it, the hill gets bigger. <laughs> <laughs> it gets bigger yeah. and bigger. And pretty soon you got to climb that thing. Yeah. I was, it was, it was another middle manager I was talking to this last week. It's a small company. So she's a middle manager and function, but she's like a senior leader uh, because it's a small company. But essentially the complaint was the founder is always changing her mind. You know, she's got like a million ideas and just kind of vents all the ideas and talks around issues. And then she is executing on all these issues, but it was just an idea she was having. So that's kind of the one of one of her frustrations is she'll go want to go execute on things or integrate ideas together. But, you know, the person that, that is above her is always move, changing, you know, changing the strategy, picking a different uh, goal, you know. So that's one of her frustrations is I can't get them to focus on something. Yeah. 
Another one that I hear from the middle management or, or somebody who has the opportunity to manage up is um, my manager's too busy to hear about this, or I don't want to be the problem child, or um, they don't have time for me or for this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that sort of thing. And then the other, another one that I hear is what can I do? Right. I'm just little old me just in my own little corner of the company. And right. uh, you know, my hands are tied. That's, that's a great, that's a great one that I hear a lot is my hands are tied. What, what could I possibly do? Well, you know, you get it. what's interesting is when I hear those things, I always ask myself, I wonder what the met, meta conversation is there, right? What a racket, mm. not the racket that's in there. It's like, um, who am I? Like, so I, how I, that, that kind of conversation, like who am I to intervene here? And it's not my job or it's above my pay grade. You know, it's such a great, indication of how much you're probably lowering others' expectations of you so that you can live in a safe existence, or at least what you imagine is safe until circumstances overcome you. And then you're somehow a victim and you're justified. You're right, even though you lost your job. When, mm-hmm. you know, there's a whole nother way of <clears throat> relating to or uh, what's going on. Like, wow, why not me? What an opportunity, right? You know, there's a, there's, there's, there's a, paradox in here one of them is is i you know i want a challenge and the other one is i want to advance in my career and if i don't want a challenge and i really want to advance in my career i'm going to be disappointed and if i really want a challenge and i want to adva- and, and i want to advance in my uh, career i'm going to be fulfilled it's going to be exciting because those who answer the challenges are the ones that progress usually in their development in their career, right? In their in their craft. So when you get up against a situation that seems like it's over your head or it seems like I have no control, that's probably the next best thing for you to answer because how do you enter that? How do you lead yourself into that and open up a possibility that's going to benefit the organization and you at the same time? That That's always a you know, there's an art to that, but you got to first see it that way. Otherwise, the possibility looks like a threat, and you're justified in and you know holding back. Yeah, when you and you alluded to it, Dan, but you know, talk about if people want advancement but don't want a, a challenge. Right. Well, if they want advancement, they don't want a challenge. They're not going to answer the challenges that are going to actually produce the advancement in their field. So they're going to be disappointed about how quickly they develop, and they're going mm. to think probably if they don't take responsibility for it, they're going to blame it on the circumstances. They're going to blame it on their boss. They're going to blame it on uh, their coworkers. They're going to blame it on themselves. So I just don't have it. Like we talked about, I'm, this is really not me. I don't know if I can do this. I'm not up for it. I don't have the education. There's a number of different rackets you can run to keep yourself from answering the challenge. Yeah. There's a foundational idea here, Dan, that you're presenting, which is the, the idea of a racket. I'm wondering, I don't think we've ever explicitly kind of laid out what we're talking about or defined racket when we talk about racket. I know we've talked a lot about them, um, but I don't know that we've on the podcast here that we've ever actually like explicitly said what a racket is or what we're talking about. So would you take, are you willing to take just a minute and just talk about what, what, what we mean? The anatomy of a racket? What's that? The anatomy of a racket. The anatomy of a racket. So Adrian, jump in with me if I miss something. So a racket always starts out as a, as a complaint, right? A, a chronic complaint, you know, like we were talking about in the beginning of this. Uh, my, you know, they don't care about me or I don't, I'm not really up for this. I don't have the background. I don't have whatever the complaint is. And it comes up chronically whenever the situation comes up or arises that calls me into a, into a place of vulnerability that I'm unwilling to go. So I make a complaint. And the complaint has a certain, when this complaint kicks in, it's like software, right? It's your conversation. So what do you do? Well, you start to behave congruently with the way the world's occurring to you, right? And the way the world's occurring to you is that you can't get this done because something externally is stopping you. So you're complaining to let people know that you're not the one to get it done, right? So that produces a certain uh, pathology or act, you know, behavioral pattern. You might, you know, so you're going to fight, flight, follow, fool, or freeze in some fashion. 
right? So most of the time people want to withdraw from what looks dangerous, mm-hmm. right? And so they, the behavior then is some kind of resignation or, you know, backing off or, you know, not speaking up, you know, you know, what do you, stuffing what's there, withholding that kind of thing. And then, and not wanting to step into it. And that's, a, and then things continue the, to be the same as they always were. And then I complain about it. Now, that it, it, the pulling back the behavioral aspects of it when you get to that aspect you first you complain then consistently with the complaint you back off or you attack you do whatever you do to protect yourself the minute you start doing that you get benefit from it most of us if you ask somebody what do you think the payoff of your complaint is they would say well i, I don't get any payoff and can't you see i'm frustrated right but if it's consistently there, you can bet that you're getting something from it because anything we really don't want, we know we'll get rid of it. That's neurologically what we do. We just get it out of our space. We either we either get it out or we leave. So if you're still there and it's still happening and you're still complaining, you're probably getting something out of it. You know, And there's a number of things you could say that are payoffs. I, I don't have to do anything about it. I get to be right. I'm protected from any consequences, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? So, but things stay, what are the prices? Things stay the same. Stresses the relationship. You know, breaks down the rate of motion of, that's wanted and needed to succeed at what your goals are. There's a number of different things that are prices. So the you know that's what we do in our coaching session is we have people notice what the prices and rewards are and then we can look at oh what else might be possible and then you would shift the way you're looking at it before you try to do something new, mm-hmm. right? So the complaint is literally held up as um, w- when we say racket, it's like during the days of prohibition, right? I mean th- it's propped up as this beautiful candy store. And this, yeah. these are all the reasons, you know, this is, this makes you the hero of why you can't do what you, what you want to do, what you say you want to do. And yeah. in the back, all of the stuff's happening. Right. you you create a front that you're helpless. Yeah. Like, just like the candy stores, you create this clean front that you're okay. This is, you know, you're doing all you can. Yeah. And then, but, you know, in the back of the candy store, you know, during the, the prohibition, they would use the candy store as a racket or a front to keep the police away. And in the back, they have gambling and prostitution, et cetera. The mm-hmm. minute that you know what's going on in the back, the racket has no more power, right? So the minute you know that your complaint, the way you're kind of making yourself right about and moral about why it isn't happening, you're kind of lifting yourself up and elevating yourself. If you're willing to stop and look, you'll probably find a whole lot of other things going on in the background. Mm-hmm. And then it's in those, if we can get to those concerns, we can then specify what actions will open up the biggest possibility. But I've got to be willing to embrace them like that. Otherwise, I'm gonna I'm going to integrate everything I'm doing into the complaint because I won't put myself at stake enough to really have it work. So that's a that's the dance, that's the tension, right? And people well, have to decide that. That's the key right there, right? We don't want to put ourselves at stake in a way that is could actually produce results and get rid of the complaint well, or, or make the complaint non-existent. But think about it. You know, do you want to be? It's a way of not being dominated by your circum by your mission, right? Because I, it's like saving a little bit of myself for in case it doesn't work. Yeah. Right. It's like it'll work when. Adrian comes along or the white knight comes along or, you know, it'll work when these circumstances are the way I want them to be. And then I can hold part of myself back. And if it doesn't work, I can say, see, the circumstances weren't right. See, we needed Adrian. So it, it keeps me from having to give myself in a way that I've decided is it's not worth it. I don't want to risk that kind of investment because I don't want to risk the disappointment if it doesn't work. Right. So that's an age old human. It's just, you know, it's been here as long as we have. It's not survival. Yeah. A lot of us take it personally. No need. It's just 
built in. <laughs> model. Yeah. I mean, if you don't take it personally, see, then it's like, okay, you can be okay and then improve, right? Like, oh, I need work, of course, and I'm always going to need work. And that's why we have each other. Adrian, one of the uh, most fundamental works that we did together for setting my life to where it is now in my relationships was this working with rackets. Yeah. I mean, it is the, it is the probably the thing that sticks out most to me about the work you and I did together. Yeah. Um, so powerful. You talked about these complaints could look like opportunities and that was in, intriguing to me, but we moved on a little bit faster uh, from that. I would love to hear more of, unless you have something to add to the, to the racket conversation, but um, I, I'm intrigued by this idea that what if these things look like opportunities? What if the rackets do, or what if the, the complaints, like when, when we, when sure. we find ourselves complaining, right, we, we catch ourselves in this survival mode of, of giving this complaint. We named a bunch of complaints of what it is to look at your man, not man, not being willing to manage up or look at your manager. Right. Yeah. Um, and those look like reasons you can't do what you're supposed to do. Sure. But what if they didn't? <laughs> yeah, got it. All right. So instead of resisting, actually embracing and engaging, right? That's at least yeah. that's for me, right? Instead of resisting, because resisting, I mean, one of my, what I think for me, one of the biggest benefits of running this kind of scam, this racket is, um, you know, how much I get to sustain my judgment of the other person, right? That's one of my favorites is like, oh, he's the idiot. All right, perfect. So as long as he's the idiot and as long as he's here, then I don't have to do anything about it. Right. And then I actually it's like a it's like a double winner. Right. Because he's wrong. And ironically, always I'm right about him. And, and I'm better than him. And if I try to talk to you about it, well, you don't understand. I don't have any control. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess to get to your question, I mean, there's opportunities. I think about this stuff. Uh, usually in two two kind of places, I guess. One is like inside and outside. That's where I first start thinking about it. Um, so there's opportunity outside, meaning just outside of my own body and outside of my own experience as a human and outside of my own psychology and my heart or whatever you want to talk about. So opportunities uh, outside are, well, if if I decide to give up the he's never going to change story, which is a really great racket, um, then I actually there's an opportunity to actually get to the vision, get to um, uh, get to a type of relationship with this other person, get to a type of camaraderie on the team that we've not experienced before. Like there's outside benefits to breaking up the story about how it must be the way it is that sucks. Yeah. Right. So. To hang out in the, hey, what's possible if we get through this thing? If I stop judging this guy and start engaging this guy, what's possible? Um, There's a neurological principle in there because you're, it, it's what bias will I choose? Sure. Because my mind's going to confirm whichever bias I choose. Am I going to be biased towards what's possible or am I going to be biased towards what's not possible? Either way, I'm going to you know gather the, I'm going to be right, as Henry Ford would say, you yeah. know, Either way. So when yeah. you illuminate that, what you're doing is you're inviting somebody in to be biased towards a future that they're committed to rather than towards a justification of a past they say they don't want. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Because you're, I mean, and and uh, for those that are listening that might have just caught, I mean, Dan just said a whole bunch in a very short amount of time, um, really meaningful stuff there we, that we think about and talk about with people all the time. It's your, your brain is, is go, you're going to be out to prove something, period. You're, and you're going to go solidify and collect evidence about why you're right about it, period. Like gravity, you can't stop yourself from doing that. It will always be happening on like an automatic, on, like on like a default setting. You can tell yourself to do something else. Um, but the only reason to tell yourself to do something else, if there's more opportunity, something closer to either what you really want, the heaven that you want. Like, you know, I did the, I did this this morning. I was kind of feeling in a slump this morning and for X, Y, Z reasons. 
and was feeling disconnected from everybody, including myself. Just didn't even want to be like doing anything I was doing. And then I told myself, you know, all right, so either you're going to have a slumpy day or you're going to take action <laughs> to go make it right. Right. Which was to go jump out of the meeting I was in, go say hi to Allie, connect with her, um, you know, go get myself a, get some more water, blah, blah, blah. You know, do all the things I can do to interrupt the mood I was in. Or I could have just bought my own thing. I was selling myself about how much of a bad mood I was in today. Like th those are your, that's that's the fork in the road, right? So I can either like let myself be my mood or alter my mood for the sake of what's what's possible if I were to alter my mood. Um, you know, so where you're going to go out to prove something, and so you might as well prove how it could work out or what could happen instead of how it's not going to work out and what's wrong with somebody else or even what's if, I mean, we're a very shamey culture these days, and that has become actually something that's been applauded. Like people talking about shame as if it's the as if it's an inseparable part of our humanity. By that, I mean, like people just talking about shame as if it's the end of the road. And once we discover we have it, we've arrived and instead of how do I manage my own shame and realize that, too, is a racket. Like I beat myself up to protect myself from lot many things. I beat myself up to re to continue to double down on how wrong I am, so I don't have to reinvent myself, or don't have to actually for me don't have to ask for help or humble myself. Or you know, like shame is a great racket as well. So anyway, yeah, it's a way I get myself off the hook. Right. If, because if I if I if I flog myself for how bad I am, I'm morally good. And now when you come to me to talk about the impact of what I did, I'm going to be offended because I've already beat myself. Who are you to pile on me? Yes. Because I think it's about me. I, it's just more me about me instead of really connecting with what, what the impact of who I am on you. Right. Yeah. Right? So shame just severs that possibility. If I indulge yeah. it. If I indulge so it. I, I could have it. I don't have to indulge it. Right on. So we've already made the, the shift. So I was started off by talking about external changes, like something new can happen out there via results. Something new can happen uh, with you and the person you're complaining about. Something new can, new can happen. This is the difference. Like if, 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 if you're on a team of five people and everybody thinks Tom's a, an idiot and you're the one that says, hey, let me let me see if I can work with them. You immediately in that moment change the culture of the team. Because you've disrupted the pattern of the team, which is complaining about Tom and avoiding Tom, probably sabotaging Tom, for sure gossiping about Tom. All of a sudden, you make a stand for something that's possible. Tom might or might not shift. Tom might be an idiot. Um, but Tom might not want to shift for the sake of the team. But at least you're going to go explore what's possible, which disrupts the team culture and reinvents it in that moment. Cause all of a sudden it just resets things. Cause not all now we're not all this way. And Tom's the bad guy. You're the one that's searching for what's possible. What else could be as or more true than Tom's the idiot. And it's not working because of Tom. So, so that's, a, and that what that does is it sets up the intervention. Like it sets up the, the ability to open a possibility it, because it, it's the, it opens the first step, which is to interrogate reality instead of confirm what you are afraid is there. Right. It's right. like, okay, what is there? What could I learn that I don't know yet? What what am I not seeing because I'm prejudiced over here? I my, I can acknowledge my my prejudice. It's not like you shouldn't have them. It's like, am I willing to challenge them? Yeah. The way I do that is by interrogating reality, and that takes courage. Because immediately I'm going to have to be open and and receptive and and to what might be possible that I haven't seen. Yeah. Right. All that. Yeah. I, yeah. I wonder what else is possible. Um, yep. So that that opens up the external shift, and then also we we naturally got to it a little bit because we think about this a lot, and we you know are in this conversation with lots of clients, and I'm in it with myself. Like this morning, my internal shift too. So if I'm willing to to seek out opportunities instead of resign to my complaints, um, then I shift, right? This is where a lot of people, I would say, come to us. They come to us because they, they're complaining about something out there in the world that's happening, something in their company that's happening, something out there on the team that's happening or not happening. Mm -hmm. And 
They haven't yet realized that almost everything, if not everything, but at least almost everything's an inside game. And like it's in it's in here between my ears, in my gut, whatever. Um, and here's what's great is that if I'm if I'm willing to go, you know, lay myself on the line for the sake of something else, I'm immediately taking on an internal posture that I wasn't before. Mm. So I'm 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 breaking up my own mythology about myself. Like I'm not the type of guy that does that, or I can't. Or here's a very famous one: I'm not good at conflict. This is what we tell ourselves to avoid, yeah. to avoid everything about conflict, all the bad stuff, but also all the potentiality, all the opportunities that could come after we have that tough conversation. Um, but I tell myself something about myself and believe it uh, in order to save myself both from the bad from the bad. Uh, from the crap that we don't want to see. And we also don't get to touch the, the um, great opportunities, but we end up, this is, this is what ends up creating, I think for us, like a deep sense of resignation at times. And you guys, anybody that's listening, I know I've felt it at times in my life. Um, I felt it this morning in some regards. I mean, some of my mood was coming out of, Oh, look at what I've been tolerating in my life. Look at what I've not been clear about. Look at what I've not, look at what I've just like been, like decided to quote unquote be okay with, but I'm not really when I get honest about it, you know, and that there's some, oh crap, you know? Yeah. It, it can look, it can look like shame, like what's wrong with me or to go to get into the next conversation, which is, oh, I can re-engineer this. I can make new decisions. I can ask for help. I'm not a done to your point earlier. I'm, I'm an evolving person. I'm always going to be making new. So all of a sudden I'm, I can be transformed when I think um, something new can happen for me, even internally. Right. And I can, I mean, the, the, I was uh, this morning, I was just thinking about the two different ways we can use the term. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I was thinking. So one is like, fuck it. Like, forget about it. Like, you know, I don't care. Like okay, it's, it's, it's dead to me. Yeah. Like app, like apathy, right? Or yeah. let's burn it all down, or whatever. You can use it that way, or fuck it. Like get off of all of my self pity, self loathing. Life's hard. Uh, blah blah. All that stuff. Get up. Fuck it, man. Move forward. Let's go. You know, it's like, um, you know, that's the mood I was in this morning. It's like, ah, I know what self pity feels like. Get, fuck it. Let's go. You know, forget anyway, about, forget about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying, let's go. You know, it's like, and I, I, and that's, that's a part of, to pull it back to this conversation. Um, it's those moments in time that aren't that epic, but they're really, um, uh, they're significant. Really. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like to choose to go have a conversation that might not work out. For the sake of something I really want, I think those are the building blocks for the type of self-esteem all of us want. We, we all want confidence. We all want, and confidence is usually a byproduct of courage. And you only have courage when you decide to move with your fears. Yeah, so, you know, the, the, the things, you know, that first principle we talked about, which is master the courage to get in there and interrogate reality. And the second one you just talked about, which made a heck of a lot of sense to me, is that, you know, coming out from behind the self you've invented about it and getting vulnerable to what's possible, right? It's, it's like no one has to change, but everyone has to have the conversation. What do you mean? Well, like you were saying, you notice that you'd been tolerating things that you hadn't really thought, you know, you'd just been going on and you finally looked at it and you had the conversation came up is, do I want to shift? Do I want to change? Yeah. Like, so you may not choose to change, but you are having the conversation. Right. Right. We're all going to face that conversation because we're going to see a disparity between what we say we want and where we are. And that happens in, when we're managing up usually the reason I want to manage up is because I see things aren't the way I think they should be, or at least the way we said they would be, or they're not turning out close to what we're aiming at. So there needs to be a conversation about, do we want to change first? Do we see that we're not hitting it? And do we want to change? Yeah. 
And that, that takes the courage to come out from behind my protective self, name the issue, and then interrogate the reality, invite people with me to interrogate the reality, invite my manager, whoever it is, to look at this. And, and what that does is it, it takes the problem off of me and puts it onto what's here. Now they may say, I don't wanna have that conversation, but at least I've opened up the possibility to, and that, that just that will change the nature of our relationship. And then yeah. I can make a decision from there. Yeah. Next step. What's tricky about this dynamic, I think, is like, especially if it's a power dynamic, we're talking about leading up. And like, so there's more kind of, quote unquote, it seems like people say it all the time, like there's more, quote unquote, power. Or they have more, they have more power, put that in quotes, and they have more, and they have more authority. Um, and so one of the easiest decisions to make, and we don't call it a decision to make, but I'm, we're saying here a decision to make is I can't because one of those two things. I don't have the power or I yep. don't have the authority, which is a racket. If you find yourself saying that, I invite you to notice how what benefits you get out of believing that. Because hmm. um, yeah. that, that more, I was going to say it's a racket because it's a lie. Right. Right. That's right. Because you could still say it and what you're afraid of could happen. But it what could happen isn't keeping you from saying it. Right. Yeah. That's the racket. You're just That's giving right. the responsibility of your decision to the circumstance to avoid or get yourself off the hook. That's right. And if someone is has been there longer or paid more than me, that's also a great reason to whenever you're frustrated with something to blame them. And they ought to. And if I was them, I would. Like all that, all that type of thinking comes out of this, what I make up about the dynamic. And then we'll end up complaining about not having our own sense of power and not having our own sense of agency and authority because we've given it up to keep ourselves safe from the potential downsides of having a disruptive conversation or whatever, getting fired or whatever, which I, I don't know. I don't know. It's good. To, it's good to ask yourself the question, who gets fired because of one conversation? Nobody. Right. So <laughs> you're, that's also why you're lying to yourself. So I'm thinking about a brand new client. We just started with last week. And it was, it was amazing. In a, in a first conversation, we jumped right into it. And it was about this dynamic where he was going to go pitch some of his ideas uh, to a group of people, one of which was the most was the chairman at the company. And, uh, you know, and we were talking about if he was going to pitch his idea or not. And he, you know, he's got this racket about, oh, I'm typically quiet about it. I typically here's here's was the dynamic is that he had a very righteous view about what it meant to be picked. If I wait back, that's humble. If I don't assert myself, that's humility. If I don't, then, you know, but once we got into it, realized all the other reasons that he doesn't want to admit about why he doesn't do that. Oh, I just hate this guy. There's real, <laughs> a lot of irony in there. Right. Because he's saying that not risking is the way of being humble. But humble, the root word for humble is the risk of being humiliated. Right, it's a vulnerability, and his action actually reduces that risk. Right, <laughs> the humility would be to say what's there. Right, so it's yeah. Those, I mean, those. I find these conversations are so familiar. I don't know where I've heard them before. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> well, you know, it, it doesn't take hard. Anytime we're talking ourselves out of courage and trying to justify my own cowardice, which I do all the time. Yep. Um, I, uh, the, usually the source of the inspiration is to protect myself. Like very little, I very, I naturally have very little connection to other people. Cause if I did, I'd, I'd show up differently. Yeah. You know, cause that's, that was my question to him. Well, what's the, per what would be the purpose of sharing your idea that might flop? Hmm. What would be the purpose of it? And in his mind, it was really about being the guy with the ideas. And therefore, you know, he wants to protect that. He wants to protect that image. When the conversation became about what's possible for the client that was going to be in the room, you know, a huge possibility opened up for him. And all of a sudden, he had this odd sensation of like openness and love and generosity 
And, you know, because somebody else was actually in the room in his own experience, right? Of course, it was a room full of 10 people, um, but nobody else was there but him because he was just full of self-concern. This is, this is not just this guy. This is all of us. This is me all the time. So if I, you know, if I'm willing to, sorry, this dynamic has come back to mind for me. It's like in this, as we're thinking about leading up, if it's about self-preservation, I'm probably going to blame the other person for what I can't do. Um, but it's about if it's about self-development, um, then I'm not going to wait around for them to pick me. That's the dynamic most of us wait, is if I was in their shoes, they'd pick me, they'd see this, they would ask for blah, 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 blah. And we keep waiting as a part of saving ourselves instead of raising my hand and where, where we, I talked with this client about, hey, man, you, you got to realize you're the captain of the team now. You're picking yourself. You're picking. They're not, not stop waiting. Waiting around is waiting not to lose. I'm inviting you to play to win, which is to pick yourself and have the most audacious, you know, conversation go on in the room, most ambitious conversation in the room with yeah. it might not work. And if it doesn't work, that doesn't matter either. But you're going to show up as if this idea could change this client's life. And if it doesn't, also no idea, no big idea, because you have 50 other ideas that are coming. He also has made up that the ideas only come once in a while, which is also another construct about the future to protect himself from going out on a limb and looking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you know, know think, think burnout actually happens because we're trying to solve, not because we're trying to solve problems, but we're trying to solve the same problem over and over again. And, and the reason that happens is because I'm not, fully willing to take, you know, tackle the really tough challenges. I'm trying to work around it. I'm trying to get by it. I'm trying to, you know, keep from getting dominated or dirty. Right. So it takes some courage to come out in the open and offer yourself, particularly to somebody you're managing up, you know, your manager. I mean, it's like you're inviting them into supporting you and, if you have all these stories about how they don't support you, now you're gonna, your vulnerability, your sense of vulnerability is going to go way up. But if you don't get vulnerable and put the what you see as the problem on the table, you're going to find yourself having the same conversation over and over again and engaging burnout. Yeah. So you know, it's, I love what Maya Angelou said. She said the need for change bulldozed a road down the center of my mind. Hmm. You know, it's like it's, you got to have that experience. Yeah. Well, something comes, something comes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Ed. Shoot. Sorry. Yeah. Something comes to mind for me, you know, like they don't, they don't, I forget exactly what you said. You said like they don't hear you. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. It's good to notice because it could be they don't hear me. And I think even more powerful, if you notice a conversation, they won't hear me, which is a, which is a forecast into the future. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of this stuff seems like it's personal because it is, and I'm at stake, right? So we're not, we're not naive to the idea that if this conversation doesn't go well, it matters. Um, and we're saying like the conversation as if there's only one, but if this series of conversations don't go well, but usually we only entertain how I'm going to lose something if it doesn't go well, because if it doesn't go well, you might actually be gaining something. You would definitely gain awareness to what your manager doesn't care about. Or, or what you need to learn or what you might need to learn. Right. There's, right. There's like there's a balance there. I've got to take responsibility for how I'm communicating and my emotional wake. And there's a lot to account for. But I learn a lot. Yeah. And, and, and if there's going to be change, it may not change the way you want it to change immediately. But you'll have a new breakdown which will keep you from burning out. Yeah. Because you it's a new challenge. It's a new look, right? You'll learn something you didn't know if you're really open and you're willing having, you're going to come out from behind your self-protective mechanisms and put yourself at stake and name the problem and then invite feedback and be curious about what they see as well for the sake of what you, the mission is, for what you're trying to get done there's a lot that can occur there. And in fact, you can deepen the relationship. You can deepen the trust in the relationship, even though it may not be more personal, it'll be more res professionally respected 
and that earns you cred in the organization. And yeah. you know, even if you don't, even if they choose to do what you something different than what you brought up, at least your voice has been heard, and then that perspective may play out, and they'll see the wisdom that was behind it layer on. You know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. For me, I've I've struggled in the past. I've struggled with this conversation because I've made up that the conversation with the manager, with the person above me, had to look like criticism of his work or his leadership or their, I should say, their their work or their leadership. Um, and that's how it showed up for me. And of course, that's scary because if I go and criticize them, they do have the authority to... Uh, steer my future within the work. Um, and so I make the, I, I resist the conversation because I don't want to put myself in a vulnerable place with that. Right. So, but when I've been able to look at it as instead of putting the problem between us and it looking like an indictment on their leadership or their work if I can go to them and stand shoulder to shoulder with them and put the problem in front of us together, looking at the same side, or at least invite them to. Yeah, they, then, the way that happens is by objectifying it into the mission, right? Right. Because, because that's really your, your, your authority is that you're committed to the mission just like they are. And they'll appreciate that, particularly if it's going to help the mission, because that's ultimately going to make them look good. It's the way you support them in winning. Right. That's right. And I'm and I think if if you're listening to this and you have a situation, a conversation that's begging to be had and you want to manage up, if you go into the conversation with the idea that you're going to be able to make them wrong, bad or broken for what's messed up and and, you know, and be right about it, then there's there's probably not a lot of possibility in that conversation. Hold on for a long bucking bronco ride. That's for sure. And and what happens, what happens is like in the, in the original scenario for me, if I feel like it's a criticism of their work or their leadership, what I'm going to start to do instead of that is I'm going to either gossip with other people on the team and try to get some allies and some accomplices, or I'm going to go over their head and and try to try to attack it that way, right? Because I'm insecure about my ability to stand shoulder to shoulder with them. Yeah. I had a client once who they wanted me to sit in and listen to them. They wanted me to mediate. And so the way they brought the problem to their manager was, I want to talk to you about your leadership style, which didn't go over well. And we had talked about how to bring, like we were, we had gone through this, those steps that we have about identifying the issue and they had done that. And when they sat down, that all went out the window and they came up with, I want to talk to you about your leadership style. And the resistance from the other side was ridiculous. It was, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because they're what do you mean by that? What are you, what are you talking about? Like versus, Hey, you know, this is what happened. And I wanted to talk about how it impacted what we're doing, wondered what I could do to contribute to it working. You know, all of that went out the window to, you know, I'd like to elevate them. I asked them afterwards, go, after there was blood on the table, we went outside. And I was talking to this and I asked them, I said, can you tell me what was going through your mind? And they said, well, I just thought every time she does this, I want to tell her there's something as she thought about her own leadership style because all she does is command and control and i go so what did what, what was your leadership style <laughs> she goes command and control but it's like the same you know fire with fire which is i think authentic because you want to fight back the way they're pushing back versus understand what they're trying to say because the minute somebody gets that you understand them there's a whole lot more space to communicate what you have there for them. And that yeah. that's that, to me, that's one of the harder things to do is really understand somebody when what they're saying sounds like they're attacking me or sounds like they're making me wrong or attacking my work or whatever. Yeah. And if I could just, even if they are doing that, if I can just listen to the truth that is in what they're pointing to and how it might be true, 
I can, it, 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 I've seen it take the criticism down and then we could have a conversation shoulder to shoulder, much like you were talking about. But that, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking about something I fail at regularly, you know, but you know, so once in a while we just happen to hit it. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that as you're talking, Chad, um, same thoughts were happening for me around you know, if if you're entering this conversation, to this leading up, managing up conversation, to try to change your leader or try to change your manager, <laughs> you're you're really starting with a stupid aim. And it's going to be like ineffective. I mean, tell us uh, how you really feel. Yeah, yeah, you know, but that's but but uh, that but that is comes from how we've assessed what the real problem is because we think we think that people don't change and we think that. People can't reinvent themselves. And we think that uh, out of the natural blame nature of our brains. And so it's the way he is. It's the way she is. That's the problem. And if we come in it like that, you know, all there will be is defense. And you'll probably chicken out about it. And you'll be so weird in the conversation that, yeah. you know, it, inauthentic, like odd, disconnected that you're going to miss your goal, you know? So part of, I think the point of this part of the conversation is, Hey, let's talk about what we want to get done here together and explore if we're together in a way that it's going to really, um, birth that or help that happen. You know, cause if like, if my complaint about my manager is, you know, that they don't listen, that, that she, let's say she doesn't listen to my ideas. You know, we could come, hey, I know we want to have, here's what, here's, you know, I'm having, I'm, I'm frustrated about some things. And one thing I'm noticing for myself is I've stopped bringing my ideas to the table. And I want to talk about that, about why that is for me um, and really what you want for these types of meetings. Because, uh, you know, I'm holding back and I don't want to be holding back. So let's talk about it. Or can we talk about it? You know, and that's a very different conversation because it's about getting their ideas to the table, not about what's wrong with the manager and how she does her meeting. <laughs> that's right. Right. So well, that's that's the shoulder to shoulder type thinking you're talking about, Chad. It's like it's what Eileen, one of our teammates that was my first coach. You know, she's the first one that told me like hard on the problem, soft on the person. Um, but a lot of these leading up comes from months or years of being sure that that person is the problem instead of what's happening or what's not happening or what behaviors are, what patterns that exist here that I've, I've bought, by the way, if I've been here for a while and haven't said anything, I've co-signed on all the behavior. So. Well, yeah. I mean, this meta conversation, if it's that person's the reason why it's not happening is I'm helpless to do anything about it. Right. And that, that's what produces the sense of frustration and punitiveness in the, in the speaker. Right. Because yep. I've obviously, don't have any power in the situation. And that's frustrating and <clears throat> it's dangerous. You get, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that Adrian, what you're talking about stuck out to me, Dan, and also in your story about the management style and, and the misconception or the lie is that we can sum up somebody's leadership in a word or a term or a phrase. And that that would encompass everything about that human being as a leader, which is just so silly. Well, right? It's, it's, it's not very helpful because it's, it's not helpful at all. No, because what's that person going to do? They have to agree with you. But if you said, hey, look, this is the situation I want to talk about. This is what's working. This is what's not working for me. Here's how I see I contributed. Here's the future I see would come if it doesn't stop. That opens up a whole nother world of conversation that could actually bring a partnership together and, you know, synergize your talents and solve the problem, or at least move into a new problem, move down the line, iterate, you know? That yeah. If I were to sum up some of the things that we've given in this last couple of minutes, and maybe you guys have identified a couple others too, but if you're, if you're up against a conversation like this, or, or life is inviting you into a conversation like this, um, I would, I mean, I'm just hearing owning your contribution taking responsibility for what you've been willing to 
not participate in or make excuses around own that in the conversation don't make up don't sum up their character in any sort of way go right go after exactly what it is that you want to talk about rather than what you've made up about who they are um any others as we wrap up here i, I mean i think those are if we can go into these conversations with those frames it's really powerful yeah fan the fan the flames of success fan the flames of fan the future that that could happen if we had this work. Keep that present and, and connect it to what you're talking about as tangibly as possible so that it stays about the mission and doesn't get personal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, probably as a practice too, you know, just if you can, if you can always shorten the gap between my complaint and my, and my positive, proactive action because the complaints are an indicator right like if i don't like something i don't want something it doesn't it's not, it's not like bad to have that complaint either right but if it becomes chronic that's where it's the issue like chronic like settling for it like i'll keep it around throw it in my backpack you know instead of saying ah something i don't like is happening shit what do i need to do about it you know, mm -hmm. what's the conversation that's missing and can I have it? Or even am I willing to start it even though I don't know even fully what it is? Hey, something's happening and I, and I don't know, you know, how to talk about this yet. Um, but bam. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. so that gap between initial complaint and proactive conversation, proactive action, either one, um, you know, that's, I think if we're going to like govern ourselves and take ourselves on that interval of time, I know for me, I feel great when I'm taking on life in real time. Yeah. Real time feedback. I love that. Yeah. That's, that's been huge for my life. All right, gentlemen, I see this conversation. I'm excited to have this one in the bank because next time I'm working with a client who is up against this sort of thing or working to manage up, this is going to be a great resource to just hand them. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Not, well, great. Wait. Thanks for bringing this up. Thank you, Chad. Good to be with awesome. you all. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us. and We'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. Oh,